my question for you tonight is, what time is it at your house? Have you fallen in line with God's clock? In Isaiah 40, 31, and let's just look at some scriptures here as far as the way God likes to tell time. I, I don't know about you, but I don't even know that God has a watch. Because mine and his clock don't ever line up. He don't move fast enough for me. I'm just going to be honest with you. I pray for stuff all the time. It ain't got here yet. And I say, God, where are you at? Isaiah 41, 40 and 31 says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Those that wait upon the Lord is what it says. When you wait, that involves your time. When you trust, that involves your time. They will soar high with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, for everything there is a season. God defines time throughout the Bible for us. Psalms 27 and 14, wait patiently for the Lord. And, and in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word already existed. He declares time from the beginning. In the beginning, what is the beginning? Galatians 6 and 9, so let's not get tired of doing good at just the right time, it says. Just the right time, you'll reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. Psalms 31 and 15, my future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down. 2 Peter 3 and 8, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. I won't unpack that one at all tonight but that one's used all the time out of context just understand that the scriptures also say that our mindset and his mindset are in two different places so therefore our time and his time are in two different places can you imagine one day being as of a thousand years i feel as though in my own life that's what it feels like sometimes god i gotta wait one day on you and it feels like a thousand years Acts 1 and 7, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. That's what the Bible says. We always want, what time you coming? What time you leaving? We was just talking about it before church started. We, we got these apps on our phones that tell us when they coming and when they going. What time? There's some things that are set in place and set in motion into our lives that are not for us to know at what time. In the right time, and you don't define right time. So that is what we really need to begin to understand. For some reason, God's concept of time and our time have been a little bit off from each other since the beginning of time. When it comes to following God, you have to learn to trust in the timing process. Psalms 31 and 15, if you want to write it down. Don't just write it, believe it. It says, my future is in your hands. Do you believe that? That means the next five minutes are in his hands, not mine. I hope and pray that I can deliver something to you in the next hour that is part of his plan and his hand 
but it's out of my control. If you truly believe that scripture, you see, you don't have control over time. God does. Time did not even exist until he told it what to do. He's beyond time. He's beyond con- everything we do is centered around time. Every day we measure, every calendar, every birthday, every Christmas, every anniversary, it's all centered around time, and time didn't exist until he told it to exist. That's the God we serve. He gave time a job in Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, you know that story. He creates, he speaks into existence. The earth was formless and empty, and he says, let there be light. There's light, and then all of a sudden, he calls the light day and the darkness night, and evening and morning passed, and it became the first day he set forth time. He controls time because we see in Joshua 10, 12 through 15, he stopped the sun. Middle of the day so they could continue fighting in daylight. Can you get in your mindset that if he will stop the sun for a battle, how much more will he do for you? We serve a God who can make time stand still and make time continue. So I want to I talk to us tonight about getting on God's clock. That's part of living in acres of diamonds. It's part of recognizing things around us that are actual diamonds that we maybe have overlooked is just getting on God's clock. How do you get on God's clock? The right time and the right place is crucial. You have to understand that God's timing rarely syncs with ours. In fact, it doesn't really line up with mine personally at all. I've I've oftentimes felt that I've prayed for something and it should have been here by now a long time ago because it made sense to me as to why you would send it right now. But it didn't show up. Have you ever felt like God presents you with an opportunity? Maybe whenever you feel the least confident in your flesh. Wrong time, God. Now, right now, at the time, God. God, you want me to stop this truck and go over there and speak to them? Now, right now, at the time, God. God, you want me to preach today? I hadn't studied in a month. You want me to speak a word today? You had someone come up and ask me to speak today? I hadn't studied at all. Almost like a, are you serious right now, God? Anybody ever talk to God like that? Are you serious right now? This is for a reason. Because he requires a faith that demands that we trust him. And it's hard to trust sometimes. It's hard to trust in the process. Our faith requires that we trust. He wants you to come to the end of yourself, as Pastor talked about Sunday morning, coming to the end of yourself and trusting in only him to get it done. And that's how you start looking at acres of diamonds around you. When you've done all that you can do and you can't do anything else in your life, in your situation, can you still see God in it? 
So I want you to understand that faith is sometimes spelled like this. R-I-S-K. Risk. Faith is sometimes spelled as risk. The Greek word for opportunity is kairos, which suggests that something is time-sensitive. Certain moments in our life demand that we take action. If you don't seize an opportunity in the moment and you miss the opportunity, then what have you done with time and present potential? If you miss an opportunity. The Bible is full of moments where people actually took the opportunity. Moses took the opportunity to stop and observe the burning bush. He could have passed it by. You got the woman with the issue of blood. She took the opportunity that he was coming by to do something with it. Blind Bartimaeus was sitting there and he's blind as a bat and he can't see. And the Bible says that he just heard Jesus was passing by. And he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around him said, shh, hush. And he said, I got an opportunity in a moment, and I'm not going to hush. He said, I'm going to turn it up a little bit. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He cranks the volume up. They told him to hush. He cranks it up because he saw an opportunity. And if you don't know the story, because he took an opportunity, in that moment, right then, he got his sight. Can you imagine being in the right place at the right time and taking the opportunity and it turns your whole situation upside down? It's not, it, it's not easy for us to see acres of diamonds around us. We overlook the things in our lives that are oftentimes very valuable. We can overlook the kids that we feed every single day. You can overlook the church that you come to every Sunday and Wednesday. And by overlook, I mean that you can not see the full potential and value of something because you're used to it. You can overlook the house that you live in. It, it needs so much work and we want to change everything about it. You can overlook the friends that you call and you text every single day. But as we pray and we ask God through this series to just open up our eyes to the acres of diamonds around us, you're going to see that a lot of those times that we take an opportunity to see an acre of diamond around us, to see a diamond, to see potential, is going to require that we trust the process of taking a risk and stepping out on faith to do something in the moment because there is no moment more valuable than right now. So let's talk about a missed opportunity. A present opportunity, a moment right now. Everybody has an opportunity right this second. You can either receive this word and take it and chew on it all week, or you can put it in your back pocket and not listen to it for the rest of the month. Everybody has an opportunity. A present opportunity plagued with problems is better than an awesome opportunity that has passed. If you have an opportunity and it's full of problems, it's better than an opportunity that has already passed you because you can't get that one back. If you wait too long, you miss the moment. 
If you look elsewhere, it passes you by before you even got a chance to see it. Let's consider this woman in Luke 7, 36 to 50. This sinful woman. Luke 7, 36 to 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Side note, he will come wherever he's invited. You want him to come eat at your house? Invite him. You want him to sit at your table? Invite him. You want him a part of your situation? Invite him. When a certain immoral woman, a sinful woman, from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster box filled with expensive perfume. Sidebar, you want lives changed? Invite Jesus to come into the midst and the sinners will run to him. If you preach Jesus, they come. If you preach the word of God, it works. There is a hunger and an attraction to even those living in the most depth part of the world that still makes them hunger after Jesus. So you've got this woman. She heard he's there. She brings an alabaster box with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fall down and she wipes them off with her hair and she keeps kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, hmm, you invited him. It's your house and your dinner and now you're questioning his identity. If he were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said, I got something to say to you. Notice this in the story. The man didn't say it out loud. He thought it. If he really knew what kind of woman she was, he wouldn't let. And Jesus knew the thoughts. And so he spoke out loud and answered and he tells this parable. He says, I got something to say to you. He tells this parable. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 to another. Neither one of them could pay him back. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling out them debts. Who do you suppose loved him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. And that's right, Jesus says. Then he looked at the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water. You didn't wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And you didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in she has not stopped kissing my feet you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head but she's anointed my feet with rare perfume I tell you her sins are many and have been forgiven so has she shown me much love I'm sure that you can see this story here they're sitting around eating and this woman comes in and notice this is an opportunity a moment, an opportunity that presents itself in her life, and she takes it. 
I want you to picture her and the disciples sitting around and she's being quiet. She knows her place in society. At this point in time, women were not of value at this point in time in culture. Praise God, we're not that way anymore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But she's walking around and she's being quiet. And I can just see her just being very, very gentle. But she said, I got to get to him. I don't know what I got to do, but I got to get to him. I got to take the opportunity to get to him. She takes her alabaster box when she gets to him and she breaks the seal. Are you willing to bring something broken to him? She takes this opportunity. She breaks the seal and she pours out this expensive perfume all over. And, and this, this is expensive perfume, about a year's worth of wages. Can you imagine pouring your whole annual salary out on somebody? I ain't going there. This happens the same thing that happens in this story happens to us when we take a moment, when we take an opportunity, when we take a chance. Can you imagine what they thought of her? I need you to picture this. Jesus himself has come into this room. They are full of Pharisees, disciples eating, and she's crying and washing his feet with her hair. I just need you to picture that for a moment in your mind and get on that level of crazy. Because everybody in this room knows that if that were happening amongst us, we would be looking and thinking, what's going on here? She's taking an opportunity. The guests begin to scold her. This happens to us when we take an opportunity. Anyone ever been scolded for an opportunity? Anyone ever took a chance and all of a sudden they scold you for it? They talk about you. They lie on you. They, they call their friends and let them know what they think. They even come to you and let them know what they think. That's what happens when you take an opportunity. Other people will think that you're crazy when you take an opportunity, but do you know how many missed opportunities there are because someone feels like they need to move and step out in a Sunday morning worship service and they don't because of being talked about, because of not being comfortable because of feeling the pressure of someone else's opinion. I've been in church a while. I've experienced myself. Do I get up and go pray with this person? No, I'm just going to sit right here. That's an opportunity. Do I step out and work? If I'm the only one standing up with my hands raised, do I do it or do I not? That's an opportunity. But aren't you thankful that in the moments of opportunity, he defends us? In the moments of opportunity, rather it's a moment of opportunity that ends up in your favor or not, he is there to defend. He defends this woman whom I'm sure everyone in the room thought was crazy. He takes her back. He's got your back in a moment of opportunity. He is not going to let you down. You need to understand that today. In order for you to understand the diamonds that are around you in your life, you've got to believe that he is not going to let you down no matter how crazy you may feel in taking an opportunity so there's so much power in this word now right now we tend to focus so much of our own plans and our own timing uh, on what we would what, what it should look like in the future we plan from one day to the next but we plan off in the future so much so that our lives come re become revolved around it what does that mean uh, when it gets to Monday, we can't wait for Friday. 
Am I, can I get an amen? Anybody? I know it's Wednesday and I know we're tired, but when it gets to Monday, what do we say? If I can just get to Friday. When we get on vacation and we come back from vacation, what do we say? I can't wait to go on the next one. I'm planning the next one. I'm ready to go from one moment to the future moment. That's how we start living our lives. What does everyone work towards whenever they start working? Vacation for her, but retirement. Anybody want to retire? Anybody retired? Amen. There's nothing more powerful than a now moment. A right now moment. That's living kingdom now. Not kingdom later. Not kingdom yesterday. Kingdom right now. In John 2, we see the beginning of Jesus' ministry. His whole ministry starts at a party. Amen? I think that's what it is. It's a party. They're celebrating his whole, that's on purpose. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I could preach that for a month. That is on purpose. His mother Mary in this story, and I started with the scripture, but I'm going to unpack it a little bit. His mother Mary and all the disciples have been invited to this wedding, and suddenly the wine runs out, and Mary discovers this, and she asks Jesus for help. Have you ever ran out of something and asked Jesus for help? Anybody ran out of anything and asked him for help? Please understand that Mary is not going to Jesus for him to turn the water into wine. If you study the scripture, that's not what her intention is. She's going to him because it's customary for a woman to go to her husband whenever there's a social issue because women didn't have social rights during this time. But Joseph was dead, so the next one in line would have been Jesus, and he's at the party. So she goes to him and she says, there's a problem. I need you to fix it. If you don't believe me, go study it. She goes to Jesus and he answered her. And I, this is my favorite answer. I love this answer. I don't know why I like it, but I do. It's so smart, Alec. He says, woman. Maddox has one time to say woman to Jessica. Because he will not be able to count to 32 in his mouth. He said, woman. What have I to do with this? He said, it's not my time. But Mary, who, if you remember, found favor with God. And a very discerning woman, she felt an urge to push just a little bit. In a moment of desperation. Without a reply, she don't even respond to the question. That shows you what kind of one. If your son or child, look, Jessica, if your son looks at you and says, woman, what does that have to do with me? Can you just not say anything and turn this way and say, do whatever he tells you to do? That's what he does. He doesn't respond to her at all. She doesn't, resp she doesn't respond to him at all. She just turns to the disciples and says, do whatever he tells you to do. She knew he'd take care of it. She saw an opportunity, and she knew he'd handle it. 
that's trust and faith. It's a risk for her to go to him and ask him to fix it, not knowing how he's going to fix it. Please understand this. Have you ever gone to God for something, not knowing how he's going to fix it and trust that it will get fixed the right way? Or do you try to help him out like I do? God, I know I got this problem, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you how I need it handled. If you'll go ahead and just handle it this way. I know it'll get handled. That's not what happens in this story. Jesus gives instruction. He says, fill these six 20 to 30 gallon jugs with water. I like this because there's six of them. If you know what the number six means, the number six is related to human weakness. When you have come to the very end of you, then he steps in. When you've gotten to the last measure, there ain't not a drop of wine left, so fill the six jars. There's six there for a reason. It represents a whole lot, and I don't have time to unpack that either. But just know it represents human weakness. When there's nobody else at the whole entire party that can do anything about this situation, he says, take the six jars and start filling them. Man was created on day six. Flesh. Someone then takes a sample of this wine out into the party. And this individual is, is the, the, the head of the party, if you will, and he says, they always serve the best wine first, and then they bring out the junk later. That's basically what he's saying. I need you to understand this, that there's diamonds in this story, and we kind of overlook them and miss them. You always do this first, but right this second, in this moment right now, something is different than what normally happens. That's acres of diamonds. When you can recognize in your life that everyone else may be overlooking their house but I'm going to look at mine and see a diamond. Everybody else may be talking about their wife, but I'm going to look at mine and see a diamond. Everybody else may have an opinion about people at church, but I'm going to look at my church people and see a diamond. Everybody, you may have gotten on that side of the fence, but I'm going to stay right here and see a diamond. He says they always do this, but you've done this. You've kept the most the best wine until now. Pay attention to the last statement. Now. Not what we say. What do we say? The best for last. That ain't what he said. That ain't what he said. He said the best for now. So where's your acres of diamonds? Are they the house you don't have yet? Or is it the house you have now? Is it the relationship with God? I'm going to go here. Is it the relationship with God you're trying to build? Or is it the one you have now? I'm going to bring something to perspective for you. Do you realize that this right here is illegal in some countries? They'll kill you for this. They will flat out kill you for having a Bible. I, have, I would be slaughtered. I got more Bibles at my house than I could raise the dead with how many Bibles I have at my house. They would slaughter me 
and I could overlook it if I'm not careful. In fact, many times I have. Are you overlooking what you have right now in your life? If you're not careful, you'll learn to live this way, thinking that that blessing that's coming, the revival we're going to have, the move of God that's coming, the miracle that will get here, the answers to the prayers are way down the road. They're coming someday. They're going to get here someday. Just whenever they get here, it's going to be the best for last. He is saving. Your latter will be better than your former. I've heard that so many times from the pulpit. just about makes me crazy. Your latter days will be better. Your, than your formal date. What about today? I need a miracle today. I want the miracle of God to happen today, right now. God is a functioning God of right now. And if you don't believe that, I have scripture to back it up. He functions now. And in the moment that it happens, it's now for him. Suddenly there came a mighty rushing wind. Yes, never mind. They prayed for 10 days. It happened now, right then in that scripture. It did not say that it happened slowly or eventually. It suddenly it happened right then in that moment. God does not save the best for last. He can if he wants to. But we've got to get to the place that we can start living in now. Brother Fidel, is what you have today enough? Is what you have right now enough? We can have revival now. People can be healed now. We're seeing it at Covenant. And I believe that's because we have leadership that truly believes in right now, right now moments. Do you know that addictions can be broken now? Finances can be whole now. Marriages can be restored now. The enemy wants to distract us from the power of believing, standing, and trusting that right now is where victory begins. Today. God is not a God of the past or a God of the future. He's a God of now, meaning no matter where you go in history, he is the God of right that moment. He is always the God of right now. He covers all expanse of time. He's not sitting around waiting for one day. He functions in right now. So we have to release now faith. What is now faith? Now faith is hard. Now faith, having faith for right now is, do you know how many, I'm just going to take the mask off real quick. Do you know how many people I've prayed for in my tenure of being in church that I, I laid hands on them and then walked away and said, they, they're not going to make it. I prayed for them, but I didn't believe it. I'm just going to be honest with you. And if you think that you haven't done it, that's fine. I'm going to tell you that I have. I've laid hands on people and wanted to believe it, but then just inside just said, nope, they'll be dead. And walked away. And God has showed me in his, in his word that he doesn't function like that. He, he wants us to believe that we can literally see it dry up, Brett. 
It can be healed right this second. Like, it don't have to wait. It can do it right now. It's called now faith. When Lazarus had been dead a few days, notice Martha. She had a bone to pick with Jesus. Jesus showed up, and she said, if you had only been here. Have you ever said that before in your faith? If you had only if you had just been here, you, I, and notice she says that she believed it. I know you could have healed him. If you would have just been here, I know you could have healed him. Jesus looks at her with compassion and he promises, your brother's not dead. He'll rise again. And Martha was looking to the future like we do she was looking towards retirement she was looking towards one day she said in her mindset she said i know he'll rise again lord in the resurrection i know that i'll be healed lord one day when i get to heaven i know lord that my marriage will be fixed one day whenever they quit doing this or whenever i quit doing that i know one day this will happen when i get that car when i get that house when when that person goes away, when they move, when things are situational in my life, then I know you'll move, Lord. And Jesus looks at her and says, I am the resurrection, meaning right now. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? See, part of living in acres of diamonds is looking at it and believing it is one. You can claim it all day long, but when you look at it, do you believe that it is one? When you look at the word of God, do you believe it is the most powerful thing on the face of this earth? When you look at scripture, what do you think about it? Jesus looks at her and says, I am right now the resurrection. On one hand, Martha had faith to move mountains. In the past, she, she knew apparently in the past he, that, that he could have healed him. But on the other hand, she didn't have faith for the present. The risk to say, when Jesus walked up, I'm so glad you're here. Get him up. Can you imagine that it, what, what in the world would that have looked like? I'm so glad you got here, Lord. I knew you was coming. Go ahead and get him up. We've got to decide when to quit saying one day. One day I'm going to live my purpose. Live it today. And listen, it's hard to do that when you don't really know how, right? The Bible is full of showing us how. Just walk in what he created you to be. Do you understand that the South, everybody in here lives in the South? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The South's the only place in the world where we're fixing to do something and yet everything's broken. I need you to understand, well, I'm fixing to go do that. 
I'm fixing to go get the trash and take it out by the road. I'm fixing to fix the lights in my kitchen. Y'all don't even understand. I'm fixing to have to live by candlelight in my kitchen because I got a light out in the ceiling and it's just going to stay there and look at me. I'm fixing to fix it, though, but it's still broken. What are you fixing to do in your faith that you hadn't done yet, that you're waiting on something? What are you fixing to do in your life? What are you planning on doing that can happen right now? Right now is all you have. Everybody in this room understand, say right now. This moment is all you've got. Right this second. You're not promised the next five minutes. You've only got right this second. What are you doing with it? How are you living and believing in this moment of right now? The word now spelled backwards is won. And if you have to, if you live knowing that the battle is won, even when you cannot see it with your own natural eyes, you have lived in right now. That's what that means. If you know if you're up against the battle, uh uh-uh, it's already won right now. That means that you live in this concept of acres of diamonds, that you can recognize what everybody else cannot see in your life. It's done. It's finished. It is perfection in his time and today. Everything in my life today is ordained by God. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good. That means right now, today, in this moment, it's good because he's in charge. So what is now faith? Hebrews 11 and 1, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things that we cannot see. It's right now faith. The uh, different translation says, now faith is the evidence. Matthew 6, uh, 34, we read this one all the time. Don't worry about tomorrow. Anybody raise your hand and say, you worried about something tomorrow? Worry about something next week? Worry about something next year? But this says, don't worry about tomorrow. So why do we? For tomorrow will bring its own troubles. Today's troubles are enough. It don't say we ain't have troubles today. It just says today's enough. Hebrews 3.13, you must warn each other every day while it is still today, right now. So that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Hebrews 3 and 7, this is what the Holy Spirit says today when you hear his voice. The Bible says today when you hear his voice. I wrestle with that sometimes because I say, God, now I know I've prayed to you for so long before and you didn't answer me one time. Matthew 6, 11, give us today the food we need. That's hard to live by. My, I want to know I got breakfast in the morning, amen? Right? But it says just give me the the food I need today to give me this day my daily bread when we look at the children of Israel they were fed manna daily and they were told there's going to be more than enough that falls from the sky you just take what you need for today and they did exactly what we do they go out there and they say get the grocery bags and get all you can get you hear me you pick all this stuff up because this is free and it's going to the house because we're going to eat tomorrow 
And God said, no, get what I told you to get. Get for right now. I know there's more than enough, but get for right now. And they didn't do it. And when they got home, they said, look at all this food we got. They went to bed and woke up, and it was spoiled. Done. He said, I told you. I told you you didn't need all that. Now go look outside. There's more. Get just what you need for today. That's living in now faith. That's so hard for us to do sometimes. But he loves us enough to take care of us right now. Everybody say yesterday's over. Everybody want to go back yesterday and do something again? Can't. You better catch it next year when it rolls by, right? Yesterday's done. You won't ever get that time back. When we took Madison to college, we sat down in this big room and all the parents and stuff looking around. And this uh, dean gets up, an academic dean, and she states her name, and she's got more letters behind her name than an alphabet and all that stuff. And I said, well, this is going to be good. She's fitting to bore us to death. And the words out of her mouth, I said, I will shout in this place right this second. Did she just say what I think she said? We're about to have church. She said, I need you to look around this room and take it in. I need you to analyze the people in this room. I need you to look at the time and the moment. Look at me and get a feel for this moment. And I need you to be here. Because it will never happen again. That thing crawled up my backside. I said, hallelujah. And she said, wherever you are in life, be there. And that has stuck with me. Wherever you are in life, in this moment, you say, this is the most boring preaching I've ever heard. Be here. It won't ever happen again. There might be something in this good for you. Wherever you are, these people in this room at this time, this moment will never, ever happen again. I don't care how much you try to replicate it. It won't ever happen anymore in history. So be here right now. In every moment in your life, you've got to be there. That's living in acres of diamonds. To stop and take in the moment. To stop rushing from this place to that place. We had a full itinerary of a scheduled things to do. And she said, stop and be right here. And that struck me because we live in such a fast-paced world that it's so hard for us to be right here. Acres of Diamonds will teach you to not live in the tomorrow or the yesterday, to take a moment captive. Whatever it is, it's already done. Whatever's happened, already happened. You'll never get the moment back. If you're not careful, you can allow the enemy, the thief, to steal the joy of today by getting you to live in the shame and the guilt of your past. How many opportunities and moments have you missed in the right now because you've been hung up on something you did last year? You're missing relationships with people every single day of your life because you hung up on something you did last year, something they did five years ago, and you're missing moments that won't ever happen again. You got to start, start, stop living in the one day or the someday and live in the right now. 
Psalms 118.24, this is the day that the Lord has made. I started reading that this week, and I said, what if he don't make one tomorrow? He's in charge. He might not make one tomorrow. It said, this is the day the Lord has made. Today, Pa, he might not make one tomorrow. He might say, I'm done making them now. I'm just going to do what I told him I was going to do in the Bible. I'm not going to make any more. This is the day the Lord has remade. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to be just as happy as I can be today in this moment right now. I can't get no happier because what if he don't give me another one? What if none of us get another one? How did we spend the last day here in this moment? I'm preaching to me. I am not the happiest person every single day of my life. My face will tell you that. I'm still working on it, and he's still working on me. And if you have a problem with it, you take it up with him, because he's the one working on me. I'm trying my best. But I have to realize that if I allow things that have happened to me in my life to strip me of being able to shout and be joyful and happy today, I've missed a moment that will never happen again. And I just almost refuse to give the enemy any more time. And you got to make up in your mind. He's not going to get no more of my time. He, I don't care what it, let him come. He's not going to get another day. So don't let him have it. Isaiah 43 and 19. For I'm to do a new thing. Something new. It says actually, I love this. It says, for I am about to do something new. This is how fast God moves. This would be like me saying, Brett, when I get home, I'm fixing to take the trash down to the road because I know the trash coming in the morning. But that ain't what it says. It says, for I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Right now. How are you about to do something and already begun? You can do that when you God. Because you, you can be in the moment of going to and doing it right now when you're God. It says, do you not see it? If I were to ask you right now to write down something new that he's already doing in your life, can you do it? That's acres of diamonds right there. I'm not, talk, I'm not asking you to write down what your retirement's going to be in 50 years. I, what's he doing right now today? See, I have already begun doing it. Do you not see it? I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. Well, hold on, Lord. Back up. This is how I read the Bible. See, I have already begun. Okay, you're doing it right now. Do you not see it? Well, I don't know if I see it. Let me go on to the next sentence. I'll tell you if I see it or not. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. Time out. Don't nobody want to go to the wilderness. Not everybody. Where's the diamond in that sentence? Acres of diamond says, look at pathway. Bump the wilderness, look at pathway. Not everybody got a pathway in the wilderness, and you do. That's how you got to read it. That's what he's trying to say. I've already begun doing it. Not everybody's got a pathway in the wilderness. Nobody wants to go to the wilderness. But this says, I've already begun. Next sentence. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Okay. I don't want to go to the dry wasteland. But not all dry wastelands have rivers. So where's the diamond? 
in your life right now, he's already beginning to do something. And it's happening in, in your life at this moment. And if you aren't careful, you'll only see dry wasteland and you'll only see wilderness. You better look at pathways and rivers. Because when everybody else is praying for rivers, you got one. When other people in other countries are praying for pathways in the wilderness, I, I need you to understand, can you imagine going through whatever you go through in life? I don't even need to know all your stories because I got enough for, for all of us. Can you imagine going through what you go through in life and not being allowed to talk about God or pray about it or nothing? Anybody want, I mean, I can't imagine that. But some days I wake up and I feel like we live in a wilderness. Like, what's this world coming to type thing? And God said, look at the pathway. And I say, okay. I have my Bible in my hand. I'm able to call on the name of God and stand at a pulpit or sit at a piano and worship and give all I have to him. And I can stand on the pathway because not everybody's got one. That's acres of diamonds. If you're not careful, you will allow yourself to overlook that. And the enemy uses time to do it. God, I'm looking for you to make my wilderness into a paradise. So I'm going to look to paradise. And it's taking you a little bit too long, Lord, to get me to paradise. But he's saying, your time is right now you've got to look at right this moment in your life are you standing on a pathway are you sitting in a river forget the dry wasteland around you where are your feet at right now in your life so i'm challenging you to stop rushing off to the next thing. Enjoy the conversation on the phone. I put that one first because it was going to preach to me. Because I will straight up send you the voicemail. I'm just being honest. I can only preach real. Some days I don't want to talk. I talk on the phone all day. don't want to talk to you. But God says, hold up. Where's the acres of diamonds? Take a moment to sit down and listen to your kids. Maddox will talk the horns off of a billy goat. He can run a factory with that mouth he got. Take a moment and sit down and listen to him. He tells me stuff all the time. I'm just like, I said, boy, if your talking could burn calories, I would hook up to it and be a supermodel. Take the long way home. Enjoy the extra hour of sitting around the table and catching up. Watch a movie together. Take time to walk in the garden with the Father. Pa, can you imagine God getting up off the throne and coming down to walk with Adam and Eve? The king of the universe decides to make a decision to get up 
and come down and walk with you. Can you imagine if they said, hold on, God, we're in the middle of trying to get these crops you told us to work on. We'll be with you in a moment. I have told God that many times in my life. I'll be with you in a moment. I'm busy. But there'll never be a greater time to give your all, your best, your pouring out of yourself, your alabaster box, your opportunity, than just right the second. The moment you're living in right now is all you've got. In Ecclesiastes, the author writes, a living dog is better than a dead lion. It means that as powerful as a lion is, if he's dead, it's nothing more than a lost opportunity. For him, it's over. There's many people in our lives that are no longer with us. For them, the opportunity to take a moment now captive is no longer there. But you have one. You still got one. You still can. I've heard a preacher say before many times, if you still have a pulse, he's still got a plan. Right? So do you want to be set free from your watch? Do you want time to no longer hold you captive? Do you want to be set free from yesterday or set free from the expectation that I have to live in someday? Do you want to start living in the power of right now? Then just lift your hands and rejoice in him in the moment wherever you are and give thanks to him about everything you've got. You can praise him in the wilderness. You're standing on a pathway. You can praise him in the wilderness. You can shout in a desert. You can give God praise when you're standing in a courtroom fighting for your life. You can lift up your hands and shout in a hospital with a, a report you didn't want. You can do that. Because you trust the one that got you there in that moment and he's still holding all things together for the good of those that love and serve him. But do you trust him? Can you put your watch down and pick up his? Can you say, God, I am so tired of living from hour to hour. I want to live where a thousand days is as a thousand years is as of one day. I want to live in a carefree faith-filled relationship with you because I know you hold all things together. This is not living careless. This is living in faith. So get on his clock. And the only way to do that is just to start asking him, God, open my eyes. Show me the moment. Let me experience the moment. Show me. Tell me. Write it on a sign. Send somebody my way to remind me. But keep me in the moment. I don't want to be bound by time anymore. I don't want to be bound by one day anymore. I don't want to go to work and hate my job because I'm trying to make a retirement check. I want to go to work and shout because I love my job. I want to actually wake up and hear the birds sing and not be mad because they're loud. I've been there. I can preach that. 
I have literally sat in my office before and said, if I could find that frog, it wouldn't rib it one more time ever. But I have also sat in my office and cried because I heard it. And the only thing that happened was a relationship shift. God, you made the frog. In order for us to get to that place, we just simply have to ask him to show us. Take our watch. Stop the sun for a minute, God. And have a moment with him. And don't let it pass you by. Take the opportunity. Blind Bartimaeus took his opportunity. And he can see today because he took the He got to see right then. You can see today. You can live acres of diamonds in your life today. You are no longer bound by what time tells you to do. You can enjoy the seconds that pass you by right now. He made them. He told them what to do. Time has been ticking at 24 hours since the beginning of time. He has literally set it in place. He told it what to do. He gave it a job, and it has not given up. It has still trucked on for all this time. You have to enjoy what he made. Stand with me. Just lift your hands and let's pray together that, God, you'll show us the acres of diamonds in our life. God, I love you and I thank you for the opportunity. Father, I ask that you open our eyes and come down and walk with us and commune with us, God, and that we ourselves can just bask in your presence every single day, every moment of our life that we can see the pathway in the wilderness and we can see the river in the dry areas of our life. God, we can see the diamond that you have placed right where we're living. We do not have to go anywhere else. We do not have to do anything else. We can just simply lift our hands and see right now you have put diamonds all around us because you are good. That's the only reason and you don't need another reason, God. Just simply that you are good. That is all we need. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share a word and to speak a blessing. God, I ask that you go with us and lead us and guide us and protect us and saturate us with your anointing and your precious holy name that I pray. And everybody says, amen. Hallelujah. I'll see y'all on Sunday.